0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revs restarted their MLS season in a dull disappointing fashion with a 1-0 loss to CF Montreal. The loss capped off an eventful week, which saw goalkeeper George Petrovic officially sign with Chelsea. I'm Greg Johnstone, joining me today fresh off of a road trip to Montreal north of the border. It is Sam Minton of the Blazing Musket. Sam, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good, doing good. Always nice to uh get to do some traveling and, and spend five hours in Montreal all covering a Revs game. Uh, it was nice to see the Stad Puto and uh, you know, check a stadium off uh, the old checklist, uh but yeah, it was not the greatest of games and obviously seeing the revolution get three uh not be able to get three points is quite disappointing. Uh but otherwise always happy to be on a revolutionary cap.
0: And of course it's always good to have you on, uh, although it, it is a pretty miserable week, uh, and we will get into all of the news of the week. I think we're going to start with the news because I think you and I both don't really want to talk about this game. This game is terrible from a neutral yeah. standpoint and even worse from a revolution standpoint. So we're going to cover the news first uh, and then go to the game. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more, including Major League Soccer. And just looking ahead to Wednesday's game against the Red Bulls, the Revs open. Uh, as plus 100 favorites in that game. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code BELIEVE BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Sam, biggest news of the week, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. George Petrovic, some bids started coming in for georgie petrovic and the last time i was on by the way sam I, I i gotta preface this last time i was on i took some heat because i said there's about a 50 50 chance petrovic might not ever play for the revs again and i think two days after that podcast came out he played for the revs so i took some heat but i just want to let everyone know i was only off by one game everyone started dunking on me i was off by one game uh petrovic came back played the final leagues cup game uh and that will be his final uh, revolution game as the the move is now official um sam what is your thoughts about this move and by the way i i should uh also add in some of the details, Chelsea uh, purchased him for $17.4 million with $2.1 million in add-ons. So it's a little bit more than the 8 or $9 million in base that we were talking about uh, from Nottingham Forest a few weeks ago. Sam, what's your reaction to the Petrovic sale?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely understand that fans are probably upset to see the gr- greatest goalkeeper in MLS leave the club, and it definitely takes a hit to the club's aspirations, whether it be you know an MLS cup or a supporter' shield, but I think it was just a deal that you you couldn't refuse you couldn't turn it down obviously the the price he's now I believe the most expensive uh goalkeeper transfer, and I believe he's in the top five in terms of MLS outgoing transfers. I saw something his uh, agent put out I think he's now the mo was the most expensive Serbian transfer. Uh, so it just seems like a move you couldn't reject, and it was really a perfect storm for it with, uh, you know, Kepa being loaned out, and there just kind of being an opening with Gago Sonina also being out on loan. So it seemed like it, Chelsea was in a position where they were going to overpay, and they have overpaid for plenty of players, and the revolution had to say yes to it. You couldn't refuse it. You couldn't wait till January, I don't think you would get an offer from a Chelsea in January. I think they would have already picked someone up and they would have gone with it and Gal Gasolino would be back on loan for the next season, which is already crazy to think about seeing that uh, the EPL just started up. Uh, but yeah, overall, it, it sucks to see him go, but it seems like uh, financial-wise, it's definitely a good move for the Reds. but it takes a hit to what they're capable of doing uh, this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I just want to clarify one thing you said. You said it. You're you're you said it correctly. But I just want to clarify. It's the most expensive trans, uh, goalkeeper transfer outgoing in for MLS. Uh, yes. And it's a uh, also a top five outgoing transfer in MLS history. Um, this. Compared to the last time I was on, uh, when I made a pretty impassioned plea that the Revs need to hold Petrovic, and Petrovic sitting out for an eight million dollar transfer bid is childish, and you know all those things kind of still hold true. The eight million dollar bid from Nottingham Forest was low. Um, I said in the previous podcast I had it around a ten to twelve million dollar base, and that apparently also was very low. Um, you know you look at. Slonina, you who you've mentioned a couple of times, he had a ten million dollar base with a five million dollar add on. I think that is a good guideline for what Petrovic's sale price was. He's a little older, but he's also a little more polished. Um, so I, I think ten to twelve million dollars base was his market value. Matt Turner just sold for ten million dollars to Nottingham Forest. He is older, and Petrovic is better than Matt Turner in my opinion. So I think ten million dollars honestly might be low. So. Eight million dollars. Petrovic holding out, or you know, over the bid. And I know it came out that he said, you know, they said the team was working with them. He he only did individual. You know, the the team sounded a little more um, uh, on the same page with him after that whole thing ended. Okay, either way, I I think it was a bad look because the Revs knew bigger offers were coming. Nottingham Forest was not going to have the biggest offer for Petrovic. Um, I think a lot of people said. Uh, in re- I don't know if it was in response to me, but some people said, you know, Nottingham Forest is an EPL club. Petrovic could go start for an EPL club. You got to sell him, you know. And, and there were bigger fish interested in, in Petrovic, and I think everyone knew that. The Revs certainly knew that. As I mentioned last podcast, the Revs had all the leverage in the world to hold out for more to get his market value and more than his market value. You know, if you own your house and someone shows up in your front door and offers to buy your house at market value it might be an inconvenient time for you to sell your kids might be in school you don't have another house lined up so it needs to be a sweeping offer to get you out of the house if someone offers you double uh, the value of your house you know maybe you're moving susie to private school and, and you're living you know you're renting a condo for the rest of the year so this is a scenario where um the revs things change because chelsea came in and made that offer they could not refuse 17.4 million dollars is a ton of money, and an eight million dollar bid or a ten million dollar bid was probably going to be waiting for them for Petrovic in the winter. But seventeen point four million plus two point one million dollars in add-ons, probably not. That that seems like as much as you can get. And uh, there was also a, a, the episode of um, extra time this week. Tom Bogart brought up a very interesting point where he said, you know, eight million dollars. Um, you know, well, I said this last week, last time on Revolution Recap, where you know your teammates are probably pissed you're holding out over the, an opening bid, but. You know, if they are keeping you here over a 17 million dollar bid to Chelsea, I think a lot of your your teammates are going to turn your head and wonder, you know, if you're if, if the organization has the interest in the players. Right. So there is kind of a give and take where, you know. How you handle an undermarket bid over an over market bid is different. And so I think the team handled this very well and handled the negotiations very well and got top, top dollar. And by the way, I also want to say Tom Bogart said on extra time that Manchester United has scouted every single revs game this year. So someone was coming for for George A. Petrovic and it was going to be a lot of money. And you're right, Sam. Chelsea bit and they they paid top, top dollar for Petrovic, and this is a major win for Petrovic. This is a major win for the New England Revolution. I think this sucks for the fans. Um, and we can get into that a little bit. But, you know, I, I think there was the stat that the Revs are, what was it, like the fourth highest net transfer? They, they have the fourth highest net transfer since 2021 outside of the Big Five leagues or something like that. Did you, did you see that stat? I did
1: not, but if that is true, that is quite insane.
0: They, they, they are one of the most profitable um, teams in terms of net transfers in the world right now because they have a, um, you know, about forty million dollars between Tejon Turner, uh, Buxa, and and Petrovic, and. You know, the MLS rules are very restrictive. And I discussed this in the, the salary cap episode uh, a few months ago. But until a designated player spot opens or a U22 spot opens, you can't buy someone with an unlimited transfer fee. So they have a very, very large amount of money. They're still trying to spend the, the money from the other three transfers. And I think a lot of fans are, say, are, are tired of seeing these really talented players leave. Um, and, and in the, the case of Tejan, he stayed through the end of the season. Um, Buxa and Turner stayed through Champions, uh, Champions League. Um, and the revs held off on on letting them leave until the summer, um, but in in this case it's mid season, and I think this is a really really tough. Tough pill to swallow, and if you're a fan that's spending a lot of money on going to games and buying jerseys and having an emotional investment into this game, um, into this team, um, losing Petrovic at this stage, uh, losing the goalkeeper with the all-time highest save percentage in MLS at 76.8%, uh, minimum 150 career saves, this really sucks. So um, win for the team, win for Petrovic. Uh, I think this situation was handled very, very well, and I understand why this works for, works out on a, a business side of things, um, but I, I think if you're a fan and all these things and injuries and Bruce arena situation and all this is happening. And, and now you're losing Petrovic. Um, th- this is a really, really tough pill to swallow.
1: Yeah. But I do think, especially for Petrovic compared to someone like Turner going to Arsenal, I think Petrovic can definitely compete for the starting draw this season. I definitely think he can beat out Sanchez if he gets the opportunity to Kevin Hitchcock believes it. And I'm not going to doubt Kevin Hitchcock. Uh, so it will be really interesting to see how it plays out. And it would be, quite wild to see uh someone who was playing for the revolution you know months months ago being the starting goalkeeper for you know a top club in england so definitely best of luck to uh, george a pick number 28 don't exactly know how i feel about that uh but overall you know definitely a great move for him but it does you know suck you know for the fans who show up through thick and thin to see another top player going and You can't really bring in a lot of reinforcements. Obviously, you know, the revolution did with, you know, kind of the roster rules you're able to bringing bringing in a three agent. But it's going to be a tough, you know, hole hole through a place in, you know, in the net. But it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes. But definitely it's a great move for Petrovic. And business wise, you definitely can't turn away that money.
0: And I just want to correct something you said. You said Chelsea is a top team in the Premier League. That is categorically false.
1: Um, They're a rich team. Historically, my apologies.
0: It is a perfect storm where you have a team that is spending an insane amount of money, but quality-wise, they are not doing very well. Um, And it's it's kind of the perfect storm of... um, Petro could start there right now, and also they have very deep pockets. Whereas a Man U or an Arsenal... um, or Man City or you know who whoever at, a top, at the top of the table Petrovic is probably going to be slotted in as the backup so this is really the best case scenario i think for petrovic where it's the biggest club he gets a seven-year contract from chelsea um and you're you're right if they turn things around he's suddenly with an english giant uh as opposed to matt turner who's going to be fighting relegation with uh, nottingham Forest. so um one of a couple of things too before we get going and you know we've touched on the mls rules um and some people have kind of talked to me uh, privately about this you know the petrovic is not a designated player so they can convert 1.1 six million dollars of this fee into gam and if you listen to my salary episode from a few months ago which i highly recommend uh the easiest way to think of uh, how much money you can spend is uh, the salary cap plus gam plus tam and that's around 9.8 million dollars this season Um, and obviously if you're a designated player you have a set number going against that cap if you're a u22 player you have a set number going against that cap so their salaries are are, don't really uh matter in, in this case but Long story short, that 1.16 converted to GAM, that expands that $9.8 million up to, you know, about $11 million. So you're expanding your cap rate, your your salary cap, 10 to 12%. Um, so it, it will benefit a little bit, but $17 million plus another two, potentially, um, you know, there's a really, really big chunk there that, you know, you really, in terms of on the field performance, you um, you know, you're, you're waiting for a DP spot to open or a U22 spot to open. And if Sean Collet is the guy there, there, if they exercise that purchase option, and it's disputed whether or not he's a designated player, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Revs spend that money. Maybe a fourth designated player is coming. Um, and one thing I, I wouldn't be shocked, Sam, is uh, Carlos Hill has a team option at the end of this year, and then his contract's done. He's currently making a 3.25 million dollar base salary. Uh, total compensation 3.55 uh, million. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if. Carlos Hill and the Revs talk extension or they tack on a year uh, onto that contract, maybe another team option onto that contract uh, and, and they give him a bit of a raise uh, to keep him in uh, New England. Cause they're, they're kind of tied on what they can do right now with that money. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and, go ahead.
1: You know, there's also the question of Gustavo Bo. We'll probably get to it later, but his future of the squad as well. And even if you do keep all the DPs you have now, like you mentioned, you know, there's a possibility that trunk like, becomes a DP. So it's definitely an interesting time to see how the revolution, you know, handled these lovely MLS roster rules.
0: It's probably a question for another day. And and maybe they're adding another designated player and maybe the revs are able to make a big splash there. Um, and, and it should be noted that MLS rules, uh, I, I didn't double check that if this is still the case, but it used to say that any fee that comes in, you have to spend that money on the team. Spending that money on the team doesn't mean you're increasing spending on that team by that amount. Just want to say that. Um, but, um, you know, in theory, that money is going back to the team in some way. It's just, I feel like with the Revs, it's more operational instead of uh, performance. But anyway, you, you alluded to this earlier that the Revs, uh, the MLS transfer window has closed. So they, the Revs are only able to uh, sign free agents at this point. Uh, so their hands are a little bit tied with the georgie Petrovic uh, signing, but they found their new goalkeeper. It's Tomas Vatslik. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I you everyone who listens to this podcast now I cannot pronounce names or team names or anything correctly but it's Tomas Vatslik, I believe uh, he is currently unattached uh, so this is well within the rules for the revs to sign Uh Former teams include Olympiakos, Sevilla, uh, and most recently Huddersfield Town. Uh, He has over 50 caps with the Czech Republic national team. Uh, He has played in Europa League and Champions League. He also won Europa League in the 2019-2020 season uh, with Sevilla. Uh, He helped save Huddersfield Town from relegation last year. He kind of came in uh, as a mercenary uh, and helped uh, them fight off a relegation and you can read more of the blazing musket about a scouting report uh, from a reporter who covered Huddersfield town from uh, relegation last year he covers them uh, currently too uh, and but uh, uh, signed a deal through 2024 with a 2025 team option and by the way I looked it up I looked it up Sam but he has had Messi score a hat-trick on him so great news for the revolution season ticket reps that is going to be a major selling point for season tickets in the future so I yeah. did look it up. I did look it up. More, even more of a 100% chance Messi is scoring at Gillette Stadium next year on Thomas Vatselek. Sam, when you're done laughing at that, because I didn't tell you that was coming. Uh, I guess I'll give my take on it first. No,
1: I got, I got you, Greg. I got you one better actually. Your co-host Sean Donny, did some research, because I know, you know, we had the Petrovoss, we had the Matt Turner train. Now we have the Vatselek vlog. Because according to your co host on Google Translate, Vlock translates to train. So the Voss League Vlock is coming to New England and he is not messing around. Uh, but yeah, uh, just regarding the move, I definitely think it's good to see some of that experience, especially your Europa League experience. And it is interesting to have kind of that relegation uh, battle experience because. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the pressures of, of playing in MLS compared to relegation. I'm rem- reminded of Gareth Bale's comments. So to have someone who has been through that experience, I think, is valuable. But obviously, is a little bit older, especially compared to you know the likes of Turner and uh, Petrovich. So it was quite interesting to see how long the deal could go. Basically, you're almost looking at. A, you know, an 18-month an window to see what you really have and maybe it's sending it out longer. But because I personally, I thought it might just be sort of like a stopgap for this season and wait to see, you know, what you have in terms of someone like Jacob Jackson. Definitely think a guy like Max Weinstein still far off from, you know, competing for first team minutes. Uh, but it definitely seemed like an opportunity for someone like Jacob Jackson to potentially get minutes. But with, you know, Vaslik and you also have Earl Edward Jr. signing, and extension our yeah, contract extension as well, our renewal. Um, it looks like those are going to be your goalie t- goalkeeper tandems uh, for the at least near future, but definitely a wealth of experience and, you know, should be able to provide some st- stability in the back of the net.
0: And I think with the situation the Revs are in, this is about as good as they could have done. I, I think with the way things are going with the Revs right now, um, you know obviously there's a lot of injuries um, it, it's you know we'll talk about the Bruce situation in a little bit not that there's any information on that but it's a bit of a tough situation right now and you have a guy that came into a very tough situation in Huddersfield Town last year and they had to fight off relegation in the championship and he was a, a major component about turning on turning them around um, and he performed very well for them and 34 years old obviously that's he's he's not going to be sold to uh, a premier league team in the near future. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, but it, it is a little bit different than uh, the, the model of bringing in young players, coaching them up um, and, and selling them on and, and, and recycling and, and doing that cycle. Uh, I think this is a really, really good signing for the revs. Uh, I think that you need a veteran right now who can come in uh, and, and do a really, really solid job or Edwards jr. I, I think is a fine backup. I don't really trust him. 100% uh throughout th- down the stretch uh, and Jacob Jackson has yet to make his MLS debut so they had to bring in someone and you're very very limited because most goalkeepers at this stage um have a team uh so so I, I think all things considered this is about as good as they could have done and this is a guy that three four years ago is playing for Sevilla who is finishing you know fourth fifth in La Liga and won Europa League so he's played in big games um The resume is there. You're right, though. He's 34. I know goalies can go a lot longer than field players, so that that doesn't scare me as as much. But obviously, he's a little bit in decline. And I I think until he gets here and we we see how he does, um, I'll have a a full opinion of him. But resume, I I think this is about as good as the Revs could have done. Um, Now, uh, we we do have another question here from Porter. When do we think uh, Vatslik debuts for New England? Um, He has an EU passport i'm at, he's well traveled i i don't think it'll take a ton of time but i i still expect a few weeks uh, before he gets in because you got to think this signing wouldn't have happened unless petrovic uh is sold and the petrovic sale happened last monday night um according to the athletic there was a, an article by tom bogart about that deal being finalized uh, on monday night so y- you got to think that it's going to take him a little bit to gather his things get sold in new england um and get out on the field so i i'd expect at least two or three weeks um Probably three weeks, I'll say.
1: No, yeah, I I would definitely agree in the sense that we've just seen with uh, transfers that it definitely can take a while. Obviously, someone with the EU passport and a well-traveled player might expedite it a little bit. uh, But, you know, whether it be someone like Chocolat coming in, you know, I always remember that it took like almost like a month for FC Cincy's uh, new DP to arrive after the deal being announced. Um so it definitely seems like it does take a little bit of time so I wouldn't expect them for like to arrive this week uh but probably two or three weeks you you'd hope to see him and it'll be interesting to see when he can finally get out on the field because obviously I think Earl Edwards Jr will get to it you know didn't have a terrible performance but it, I I think if you add someone like Foxlee you know maybe you can compete a little bit more, and especially with some of the issues New England are having, kind of mitigate those losses and turn them into draws or possibly turn draws into wins. Uh, but yeah, overall, a, a great signing. Uh, also, too, I believe it was noted in Seth's article, Seth McCumber, on the Blazing Musket, uh, that he wouldn't have been a free agent if it wasn't for failing a medical with, I believe, AZ Alkmar over in uh the netherlands so you know he definitely could have been playing so people were still interested in him It's not like no one was interested in him interested in him and w- didn't want to sign him so the interest was there so it's another good sign that you're getting a quality keeper who can definitely you know ho- hopefully hold the zone in
0: mls the good news is there was interest in him the bad news is he failed his medical that's okay we don't have hey, any injury problems here hey, in the new deal england went
1: through, so i don't think he failed this medical
0: no yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't like that attitude, Greg.
0: The Tazori shradi uh, trade also went through, so. Let's... <laughs> you are
1: right about that. I can't. I can't. I can't disagree there. Uh,
0: let's talk Earl Edwards Jr. real quick. Um, so, uh, Matt Sleek uh, signed a deal through the end of 2024 with a 2025 team option. In the meantime, Earl Edwards Jr., who is expected to be a free agent at the end of this season, has signed a contract extension with the Revs. Uh, through 2024 with a team option for 2025 so similar lengths uh, on that contract Uh, he was previously set to be a free agency a free agent at the end of the season Um, and I will say we don't have salary numbers but goalkeepers aren't very expensive especially backup goalkeepers he's making 125 this year I would expect maybe he's getting a raise up to 150 maybe maybe a little higher Um, but I I don't think this is a a deal that's going to break the bank so uh, the Revs maintain their stability Um, Sam any thoughts on the Earl Edwards Jr. extension and do you think this impacts uh, Jacob Johnson Jackson at all? Um, because I think I was expecting Jacob Johnson Jackson to take over the number two role eventually, uh, but it seems like they have more trust in Earl Edwards Jr. So uh, what's your thought on the contract extension and what do you think this means for Jacob Johnson Jackson?
1: Yeah, I mean, for Jacob Johnson Jackson, I think he might be feeling a little bit salty because he's a young keeper. The revolution, I think, showed some Trusting him, drafting him in the first round of, I forget if it was 2020. I think it was 2021, uh, that super draft. So they definitely were interested in him and kind of thought highly of him. So definitely might be a little bit salty there. But I think, like you mentioned, just the stability, having someone like Earl Edwards, I think as a backup is very valuable. Obviously, you'd hope that Vaslik will be the number one. And I, I think that would be the case. But just having stability, kind of being able to mitigate injuries, which have, you know, definitely been coming up plenty in New England. So God forbid something did happen to week. you're able to have someone like Earl Edwards, a veteran, you know, was able to put in a good performance and perform well when called upon is definitely very valuable, but I'll be interested to see what it means for Jacob Jackson. He's been putting in the work with, uh, reps two, uh, performing quite well and was doing really well, you know, until he had that injury came back still performing well And now he's kind of sitting as a number two until the league arrives. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see what it means for him because I definitely think he would have been sniffing or, you know, hoping that he could compete for that starting that backup role uh, with the first team.
0: And it's worth noting too, right behind him, Max Weinstein, who I believe is at the University of Vermont, uh, but he's an academy goalkeeper that I know the Revs are very high on as well. Uh, he's making some waves too, so I think eventually he's going to push his way up to Revs too. So Jacob Jackson, maybe he gets another year at Revs two, but um, seems like he's a little bit blocked right now, so it's going to be interesting to see if the Revs extend his contract next year, exercise his option uh, to keep him as the three uh, or if they go elsewhere for uh, a third choice behind uh, Earl Edwards Jr. Um, and Vatsleek. Um, Gustavo Bo. Let's talk about this. Um, still hurt. Last time we talked about him, he he was killing Atlas. Uh, he really put the team on his back, and uh, we have not seen him since Tuesday. Uh, a few people go, a few reporters go to practice. I believe it's DJ Bean says, "Well, I don't see Gustavo Bo out there." He asks Richie Williams, "Hey, what's up with Gustavo Bo? How's he doing?" And Richie Williams says, "Hell, oh, he has a minor muscle injury." Okay. Uh, next day, injury report comes out. Gustavo Bo is listed as questionable, not out as questionable. Okay, that's fine. And then Rhode Island Soccer News on Twitter, I don't know how he finds this out. Obviously, he has a a very good source. He says, Gustavo Bo is in Argentina, and he is contemplating surgery. Now, uh, Seth McComer also followed up on this and confirmed that he's in Argentina, did not confirm the surgery part. Uh, But Richie Williams had availability on Thursday, and when presented the news that, Bo is in Argentina, he says he expects Bo to be out four weeks. So, in two days where there was no game, Gustavo Bo went from minor muscle injury to out for four weeks and in an Argentina. Uh, obviously, didn't play in this game. Um, Sam, level of concern on Gustavo Bo?
1: It, it, it's almost like you don't have a level of concern because you just almost expect it because he, he's someone who is prone to injury. And it's a lot of the reasons why... You know, definitely talking on this show and, you know, talking elsewhere, a lot of people are just like, I, I wouldn't bring him back as a DP because he, he's constantly hurt. Obviously, when he's on the field, he is able to perform, but he's just struggled to stay healthy. And it's another big blow, I think, we saw in the Montreal game. Having Giacomo Veroni as a lone striker isn't the best uh, option. Richie Williams has even said as such that he doesn't perform – you know, it isn't, I guess, a suitable, you know, uh, option. I'm wording this terribly. Basically, he says he doesn't perform his best when he's playing by himself, Uh, uh So it's definitely a major blow. And I think it will be a challenge for Vrioni. Maybe you have to switch up the formation to get someone like Bobby Wood out there. But he struggled with injuries of his own. So I do think it's it, it's a pretty major blow and as much magic as Carlos Hill can do he is only one man. And if you're unable to provide that service into the box to someone like Rioni or or Bobby Wood, you're really going to struggle. So when you have someone like Bo who can launch a shot from anywhere, really good at, you know, getting in behind and, you know, being able to, you know, break down that back line, you're going to feel his uh, impact when he's not there. So I think it's a pretty big blow. I don't think it obviously kills their hopes on the season, uh, but they'll have to, you know, realize that maybe this is the end of him in New England. Hopefully, you know, he is able to come back and, you know, finish out the season. Uh, but it's going to be really tough to justify bringing him back, especially as a DP.
0: Yeah, I think the designated player stuff is out the window, even if they add a fourth designated player spot in the offseason. Um, I think the Revs, and this goes back to our prior conversation, they have the money that they need to start spending. I think Gustavo Bo, who is in and out of injury, I think he's just really not worth um, a uh, uh, 1.65 million dollars or whatever a maximum or minimum designated player salary contract is anymore. So if he wants to stay, I, I think the Revs need to negotiate that contract down, and it's a little awkward because Heel and Bo obviously really enjoy playing with each other. Um, so I, I think that might be uh his presence in the locker room might be missed a little bit, but the injuries are adding up, and him going to Argentina too. I would not be surprised if Gustavo Bo, well aware that his time in New England might be ending. He's going to have his doctors look at it. He's not just going to have the revolution training staff look at this. He's going to have his guys look at this because y- you got to think, you know, if you're Gustavo Bo and you're going into free agency, you don't want to put it out all, all out there for the revs and potentially do damage to, you know, your, yourself and and hurt your value uh, in a few months. How, how much money did Shohei Otani lose this week uh, by pitching through a, a busted USL? I mean, hundreds of millions probably. So obviously Gustavo Bo we're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's important for the player to, um, be aware, uh, that, uh, you know, when your contract's ending, you know, you don't want to play through injury for a team that is about to discard you anyway. So I'm not too worried about the Argentina stuff. Um, I I, I am worried about the injury. Um, You played through it a few weeks ago, so I I did not think this was going to be a big deal. It was described as a minor muscle injury on Tuesday. I imagine there is some element of truth to that, uh, but I also imagine Bo is getting a second opinion, and I I do wonder um, if... I wonder how much he's... I don't want to question his motivations, but do you get what I'm saying? He's going to look up for Gustavo Bo. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, especially, you know, as a player, I think you should look out for yourself. Obviously, you want to be a team player, but you do have to look out for numero uno. But also, too, I will say, according to Richie Williams, he's getting treatments two to three times a day. Uh, But especially with him, you know, owning a club in Argentina, there's also the ties to Rossing. You know, there it does seem like there could be a possible move back just in, in, in my opinion. I just don't see him taking a pay cut when he could you know, just kind of live a nice life in Argentina. So we'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but it's going to be a, a big loss, and I, I don't exactly know when we will see, you know, Gustavo Bo again because obviously we've been told it's four weeks, but maybe that's four weeks to be in training or maybe that's four weeks to complete treatment. You, you know, you, you never really know. Um, so it could be quite some time until we see him again, and that's definitely going to affect the revolution
0: attack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll be interesting to see that, and I, I will say, as much as I have uh, criticized Bruce Arena and the Revs for not being transparent on injuries, at least we have a timeline here on Gustavo Bo four weeks. Um, so we can not expect Gustavo Bo in the lineup for four weeks. You mentioned Vrioni struggles as a lone striker. <laughs> we'll, we'll be interested to see how the Revs uh, work their way around this one because it's a they, they have some road games coming up. Um, this is an important stretch for the the Revs to get back on the right track, and oh boy, it's going to be a bumpy ride, I think. So. Let's talk Bruce Arena real fast. Um, TSB11 says, How much longer do we expect the Richie Williams experience to last? Bruce's games frequently felt tactics-free, but these last few games have been ridiculous. Um, yeah, Richie Williams, only three games, very small sample size. I think he's he's dealing with the hand he's dealt, and um, there's not a lot of right answers right now for, for this team. So... Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for Richie Williams being put in this spot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, there's not many levers he can pull. Um, any thoughts on Richie Williams before I get to this Bruce update?
1: No, I, I would just agree that he's he's really dealing with the hand that he's been dealt in losing a DP, losing your starting goalkeeper, lose the best goalkeeper in MLS. It's, it's really tough hands. So I think he's doing the best with what he currently has. And it, it's a short span of games, so I definitely think you need a larger sample size to kind of get an idea of him as a coach. And you're going to have plenty of opportunity to view him this week. You got two matches uh, in this, in this upcoming week with a midweek match and then a Labor Day weekend match. Uh, so you're going to have to, you know, get a larger sample size, but definitely hold off a uh, judgment on his uh, coaching until, you know, maybe has, you know, at least a handful of games, uh, five games under his as well.
0: There were, there were some decisions that I was questioning. I you know, Rivera Verema um buck on the wing pollster right back although i don't know who you put it right back there's a number of things here that i i kind of scratch my head and say i don't know about this one um but there's there's not a lot of options right now and i think that that goes to a roster construction question we'll, we'll touch on that later but anyway let's talk about bruce arena there's not much of an update um we talked about it a little bit um Tara Sullivan did an article for the Boston globe. There was really no news. It was really just an article saying that, uh, it's a, I don't think she uses the word disgrace, but, um, this investigation is ridiculous and there's no transparency and yada, 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 uh, in our article, uh, there was a few bits of pieces of information that were, were interesting. Um, this investigation is being done by a law firm. So it's not even an MLS investigation. MLS has hired a third party, uh, law firm, uh, to do their investigation. And she said last week, I believe last Wednesday, this article came out that all interviews were done. Um, players and, and everyone who needed to be interviewed, uh, have been interviewed. What's interesting is Carlos Hill told media on Thursday that he wasn't interviewed. So not all the Revs players were interviewed. Um, so it, it, I, I still think that this was not something done at practice or in a game uh, or something that a lot of players are aware of. Um, and I, I believe Matt Polster also said it on Thursday that he, he doesn't know what's going on and he'll probably hear about it on Twitter. Didn't he say didn't Polster say he'll hear about it from Twitter? Was, 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 was that Exactly.
1: About? I mean, it's technically X if you want to get technical about it. But, yes, he did say I will he- probably hear about it on Twitter.
0: Uh, Hercules Gomez was talking to Tom on his podcast and and he says he has no idea and he normally hears little bits and pieces he's heard nothing Um, uh, there are a lot of people that are going on and saying they are hearing nothing Uh, so there isn't much of a update the update is there is no update and I don't know how long much longer this is going to go for all the interviews are done so I imagine that at this stage the law firm is just coming to their conclusion and releasing a report Um, uh, and truth be told you know I kind of expected this to go longer than most people, I think, because you look at the Taxi Fountas situation, there was more information that was publicly known on that. That went a month, I think. Um, you know, I mean, gate, how long did that go? Two, three months? Player, You know, people come in and, and interview, and normally you have to meet in person. It's not really done over Zoom or on the phone. So typically there's a scheduling process, and the interview portion seems to take a long time. So I'm not surprised that this timeline has happened, but I I am bracing myself for when... A decision is made on Bruce Arena and certain details or the story in general is not told to the general public, Um, because I I think there's a good chance that a lot of this information won't be disclosed when they do come to their conclusion. So um, that's really just where the Bruce Arena situation is. We still don't know when he's coming back, if at all, uh, or if the conclusions will be released to the public. Uh, That's kind of it. Sam, anything you want to add?
1: The only thing I can add is, like you said, the only update is that there really is an update. I have I personally have reached out uh, to that long for, law firm, I believe, Prosker and Rose, and haven't gotten anything back, reached out on multiple occasions, not necessarily surprised. Uh, so it really seems like it's just going to be a waiting game. Uh, obviously, I think we're all you know trying to see if we can figure out what the story is, but I mean, if you have Herc, you have Taylor Twelman, you know, he came out also too recently and said that interviews were concluded. So it seems like that portion of the process is concluded. So it almost seems like the shoe's going to drop soon. Obviously, no idea when, but it it seems like we're inching closer and closer to when that will be. But it's quite weird and quite a weird situation that absolutely, you know, whether you're someone like Herc Gomez or, you know, Taylor Twelman, you know, one of those you know, big names in, you know, I guess, the, you know, American soccer uh, landscape and, you know, absolutely nothing. And then we have, you know, us beat reporters. We know absolutely nothing. It's quite a weird scenario to just have absolutely no information or any idea what could have happened.
0: And. It's also worth noting too, and I think the most comparable thing that New England fans will remember is the i'm a Udoka situation um where certain details kind of came out that there was some um, inappropriateness with a female colleague uh the full story was never really released um at least I don't remember the full story but um uh, I remember the Celtics saying at their press conference that members of female members of their organization received you know harassing tweets and social media engagement and stuff so i I think the details I'm not I don't think I'm not as outraged as some people that there's no details on this. Cause I think if there is a victim, um, they want to make sure the details are very, very vague. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm curious to see, as I say, if this comes to light, eventually I would like to see it come to light eventually, uh, especially if Bruce arena is out of a job. So, um, you know, We can question the handling of this investigation all we want, Sam, but you know what we would never question? The quality and discounts we get at Galasso Kits. Their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. Sam, do you think they have Revolution merch? I bet they have
1: Revolution merch. Hey, Greg, uh, Greg, Greg, do you think they have uh, Paris Saint Germain merch?
0: They sure do. Hey, do you think they have Nottingham Forest merch?
1: I guarantee you they do. Actually, they don't. That
0: was a trick question. They don't have any not a handbook. But they have Chelsea merch. So if you're a Petrovic fan, you can go get some Chelsea kits. Uh, So go check out GalassoKits.com today for their full selection. And make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and on Instagram for updates on their new inventory. And when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Sam, are you ready for listener questions?
1: I am pumped and ready to go.
0: You know, I need to, you're on Skype right now. I can see your reaction to things, and I think I need to do this more often. Yes. You you, you roll your eyes at me so much uh, in the first half of this, uh, the first half of
1: the No, I did not roll your eyes. I gave, I provided a great laugh track, and I could not believe the segue into that ad read.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, let's segue into listener questions right now, and let's start out with a doozy. Icecorn says on threads, yes, we're on threads. We're still on threads. Uh, He says on threads, can this team suck any worse? Sam?
1: I, I mean, I think they could. I mean, if you don't have Giacomo Verrone, you don't have uh, Dave Romney out there. You don't have Mark Anthony Kay out there. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, one nothing, not the worst game. Uh, you could have lost four nothing. So I mean, it could always get worse. Uh, you know, especially I think Revolution fans are well aware that it can always get worse. But yeah, it, it was a really rough game. Not a lot of you know chances created. Really struggling to provide service. And, you know, when you lose someone like DeWand Jones and Brandon by who are constantly, you know, crossing balls into the box and being able to attack opponents, if you lose those guys, you're going to feel those effects. And someone like Rioni isn't able to get any service and you're really having to operate in the middle of the field. Obviously, that's kind of uh, forced because of how Montreal is playing. But I do think losing those attacking options in the wing definitely played a factor. But Definitely was not a good performance, but it can always get worse.
0: Well, hey, you know what can't get worse? My hosting abilities today, because we're supposed to go into our key takeaways. Brought to you by The Rebellion. Go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and their organization. And by the way, shout out to Corey, uh, who welcomed a child into the world. So uh, Corey Cloutier, president of The uh, Rebellion, uh, congratulations on the birth of your child. A beautiful baby boy whose name I forget. I'm going to guess Corey Jr. Uh, Definitely wasn't. I believe it's Free C's,
1: if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I I can't remember the exact name. I know Claudier's in there. Um, But besides that, yes, definitely. Congrats, Corey. I apologize that your child had to witness that Montreal game as their first experience as a Revolution fan.
0: Well, Sam, uh, what is your key takeaway from this disaster of a game? I, I definitely think that Giacomo
1: Vroni was put in a really tough spot. I t- talked about it before. Uh, Richie Williams flat out said that, you know, it isn't, a great option and he isn't able to perform at his best as a sole striker and that's exactly what we saw him play as i definitely think you know you have the bow injury you have bobby wood recovering from injury and really his the best part of his game wasn't anything to do with attacking i think he was just doing a good job pressing opponents and kind of having a great work rate uh but when you're a striker your job is to score goals and he just wasn't able to do that. I mean, the entire Revolution roster wasn't able to do that. I believe they only had two total shots, uh, 0.04 expected goals. It was really rough in the final third. Richie Williams and Mark Anthony Kay really you know, talked about how rough it was. And I, I definitely think that you can be kind of disappointed in Brioni's performance. I do think there's maybe one single thing. You'd be like, hey, he did a good job here. Uh, but he was definitely dealt a really rough hand and, you know, considering everything that was going on, I don't think he'd be too harsh, but it definitely was not a performance to remember from him. I believe he only had eight touches. Uh, so it was a really rough night, uh, for him, but hopefully whether it be pairing him with Bobby Wood or just, you know, overall him growing as a striker, you're able to, you know, see him put in a better performance, but eight touches as a striker is pretty unacceptable
0: eight touches over 72 minutes. So every nine minutes he touched the ball once um, reminds me of the game. I believe it was Atlanta uh, where he did not touch the ball in 22 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, he, he has times where he vanishes. And I think part of that is the team around him. Um, but also he struggles in a, a single striker set. And um, you know, it's, it's funny going from, you know, uh, people, people giving me crap for uh, trashing him and, and saying I needed to owe him an apology a month ago after the San Luis game. Uh, well, well, we're back to Brioni struggling here. They need to figure this out, and you can't have a designated player not touch the ball throughout this game. So I know it's a road game. I know Bo is out, but you still have uh, some decent options there. You still have Heal. You still have Harks. You still have Buck. Maybe Shankalé will add another component to this offense, and maybe you can play Shankalé up top, and that unlocks something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Brioni vanished, and uh, that's, a, that's a really, really tough look uh, for a designated player um my key takeaway i'll just i'll just keep it short and sweet um ian harks really like what we're seeing there's not a ton of positives we can take away from yesterday's game um outside of carlos hill everyone knows how great carlos hill is we don't need to talk about carlos hill almost scored from midfield that would have been an amazing goal but we're not even going to talk about it because he didn't score and this game was terrible otherwise uh but Ian harks 88 minutes played uh 90 percent pass accuracy he was 36 for 40 Uh, one chance created uh 51 touches four passes into the final thirds including three for four Uh, on long balls. Um, I thought he played great. I thought Noel Buck played pretty decently. I don't think that's a a good position for him Uh, on the wing. I I think he needs to kind of play back and and more centrally. Uh, But Ian Harks, whenever he'll needed to move the ball to someone else, uh, Harks was able to retain possession. Um, He was able to uh, pass the ball safely. Uh, I I think he's fitting in with this team very, very well. And he's secured a starting spot in my mind. um, He's just a very very good player for this team and yesterday when you have really no one able to carry the ball up the wings on the side in Polster and, and spalding um when you are not able to uh really break lines uh and when carlos heel is being swarmed and is not able to get into advanced positions uh, i think Ian harks yesterday um when when they did have some momentum going forward uh he seemed to be near the ball uh or or with the ball so um i, w- I was impressed with the harks yesterday i thought he did very well and obviously the results did not didn't lead to anything um, but I, I I haven't seen a bad game from Ian Harks yet, uh, and I I'm really encouraged by what we're seeing in him.
1: Yeah, definitely think really, really the midfield in general. I would say had a, a pretty decent game. Uh, Mark Anthony Kay, I think has been you know a good addition as well. Very strong defensively, and I think you saw that again last night. And also too, I think you have to mention Dave Romney. I mean. He, media votes on a Defender of the Year award and I'm I'm he's quite close to locking that up for me. He's just been an absolute great acquisition and, and you know, a great calming presence, you know, a great defender, you know, in that back line, whether it be with Henry Kessler, Andrew Farrell, Omar Gonzalez, he's always, you know, stepped up and been able to perform. So definitely shout out to those two guys too. But as you mentioned, Ian Hars has really come in and immediately, you know, stake you know, staked his claim for a starting spot. And I think it's gonna be really tough. You know, to have him go back on the bench. I know after he kind of originally got here, he was able to score. He had, you know, a, I believe a brief stint on the bench, maybe a game if two. But um, overall, he's been a great addition. And I think we're definitely going to be seeing plenty of him for the rest of the season because he's, he's performed well and he deserves it.
0: Hopefully he can stay healthy. I, I think Dave Romney winning defender of the year. I think that's a last man standing award. So uh, thank goodness Dave Romney is uh, still around. So, all right, let's get into listener questions now. Bill uh, Davidson uh, has a comment. Uh, playing to lose was a disappointing game plan. Uh, probably goes to the uh, Richie Williams sentiment we heard earlier. Uh, and Thomas also says, I swear it looked like the Revs were a man down for the whole second half. Uh, Big Nation also says, first half held some promise, but Montreal made adjustments to the half that exposed our weaknesses, including Vrioni on an island, our second and third uh, choice backs, uh, and Omar Gonzalez's pace. It was a tough watch, uh, but not surprising given the circumstances. I was surprised at the trouble everyone had with the grass, lots of slipping. Uh, At one point, Rivera looked like he tore a two-foot long divot uh, and hurt himself. Uh, I hate grass in Gillette just as much as anyone, or I hate turf. In July, as much as anyone, but I was more nervous watching these guys last night than at home. Did you notice problems with the grass? I, I it seemed like the ball was moving a little bit weird, um, but I thought maybe I was just seeing things. Uh, the grass didn't look that great to you in person.
1: It it looked fine. It just seemed like they overwatered it because constantly players were you know kind of rubbing the ball down on uh, throw-ins, and you, obviously you saw the guy slipping. It just seemed like they overwatered it, and it was just way too slippery. Uh, so yeah, definitely noticed that. And uh, you know, to to the listeners' points. The second half, it just seemed like the Montreal was just bound to score that you know eventual goal. They had complete control, you know, they were had absolute pressure in the final third, and it's just not not if it was when they were going to score. So maybe you need someone like Richie Williams to step in and you know be able to think of ways to you know stop you know that constant pressure. Uh, but definitely considering the players they had, it was a really tough challenge. And going on the road, I think you would hope uh, to get a point. And it seemed like for a majority of the game, the Revolution might have, you know, managed to escape Montreal of a point. And, you know, I think that would have been good. Uh, but to leave with no points to a team that's at the bottom of of the Eastern Conference definitely is rough when you're in a supportive Shield race. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the team adjusts to being under constant pressure. I think it's definitely a point where you're on the road you're going to be under constant pressure you just have to be able to deal with it in a better way so definitely was that second half was rough it just seemed like the revolution couldn't create anything you know even when they had the ball they weren't able to kind of maintain possession in the final third and we saw Montreal be able to take advantage of it
0: And, uh, you know, they didn't create anything. I mean, statistically, they had 0.00 expected goals in the second half. They had zero shots. Uh, Both of their shots, both off target, uh, came in the uh, first half. Although I will say, um, Carlos Hill with the long-range shot off the crossbar, uh, that nearly was a goal. And then the the first shot they had uh, in the opening minutes, Carlos Hill sets up Damian Rivera. Rivera makes a nice one-on-one move. A shot could be better. Uh, He misses uh, wide of the mark on the far post. Uh, But that was, was probably the nicest play they made, Uh, in the entire game they didn't come out of this game completely stunned um the first half seemed you know it was boring there weren't a ton of chances either way but the revs looked like they they could win it and then something happened in the second half and i don't know exactly what it was montreal didn't make any subs in in the second half at all i don't know if they just loaded up the midfield um if the revs had to just move the ball down the wings more because i know they were very ineffective moving the ball up and down the wings Something changed in the second half, and the Braves were completely, completely stunned. So, um, I guess Kudos. I mean, it, it, you know, when you're out coached by Hernan and Lasada, uh, that's not a great, great sign for Richie Williams. But um, just a disastrous second half where they looked like they had zero energy, zero. I, I, I don't want to say they had zero effort, but I mean, they looked like a completely different team that couldn't do anything right.
1: No, the, I think they they looked tired. They kind of looked exhausted and. Obviously, I think immediately you point to that layoff. And after the match, both Williams and Mark Anthony Kay were quick to say, hey, that's not an excuse. Uh, you know, we can't use that as an excuse. But definitely, I think going so long without playing a match when you're in the middle of an MLS season where you're, you're almost playing every week, you know, that layoff can, you know, add some rust. But you need to just be able to perform better. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you had plenty of rest, and you just need to be able to show up, and you need to be fit. Uh, so it definitely looked like they were they, they were feeling it in that second half.
0: It's disappointing that Ema comes on in the 61st minute. Chancelle comes on, I believe, a little bit after that. Um, you'd expect those guys to kind of come off and provide a spark, and and none of that happened. So uh, Trager says it's clear buying Jones are as important to our offense as Heel. I don't know if I'd go that far, but they are important. Uh, Trigger goes on to say, without them, we have no creativity and fewer threats to spread defenses, which allows them to focus more on heal and Vrioni. Agree, a hundred percent. And and so much of the Rebs' um, offense is reliant on speed up and down the wings. Uh, zero of that yesterday. I think I thought Spalding did okay, but Polster it right back. Yeesh, you know, just just not not his spot. Uh, so Trigger says, how do the Rebs solve this problem? Um, and that's a that's a really really good question. I don't know if they can solve this problem with the way this team is, is currently set up. Uh, Sam, do you have any, any ideas?
1: I mean, the only possible solutions is you're going to you know, pray that someone like Thomas Chocolate can be that guy and be dynamic on the wing, kind of be someone like Dylan Barrero and to be able to go at defenders and being able to have that speed and skill to get by them. Uh, also, I think the only other, you know, uh possible solution is just, Having Dewan Jones come back, I think even just having him and whether you know you probably will be Ryan Spaulding on the opposite side. At least if you have Dewan Jones, you have someone who's able to create those chances, who is able to, you know, provide service into the box with those crosses. But besides that, when you look at this roster, I don't necessarily think there is a solution. You have someone like Rioni who isn't really able to play well by himself. You have Bobby Wood who is able to play you know, decently by himself. He's great at hold up play, but he struggled to stay, you know, fit and you have Rioni as a DP. You want him starting a majority of your games. So with how the roster's constructed, you're really just going to put a lot of pressure on someone like Jones to be able to provide that service from the outside or someone like Chocolate to be able to create chances, whether it be for himself or for his teammates with his, you know, speed and ability.
0: And You know, if I wanted to get creative and really just throw stuff at the wall, I'd say, you know, maybe you put a three man back line and then you have wingbacks and Spalding and like maybe Nacho Heal. But do we have three healthy center backs right now? I mean, exactly. The back line is such a mess. So, I mean, uh, hopefully Farrell comes back because you got to assume Farrell is is the right back. (laughs) We're going to have Farrell move back to right back where he used to play. But it's it's a real mess that that back line they're really just playing whoever's available and offensively that's that's tough uh, so you know I, I thought the defense held off pretty well um, but yeah offensively there's really just a lack of flow and hopefully Collet adds something I know we got see 30 minutes of him yesterday and he didn't do a ton you know uh, you know fine we'll we'll see how he does in the future but I mean we're talking about playing with two strikers. And we're gonna to have to convert chocolate to a striker. We're gonna to have to play someone up top, and then, you know, but we don't have a right back. It, it, it's a complete mess. And and they're really just playing whoever's available right now. So I th- I think the solution is get healthy. Uh, DeJuan Jones needs to get healthy. Andrew Farrell needs to get healthy. That solves the problem because. Right now, and, and Andy from Revs Nation, I'll, I'll read this comment too, Like the grid I saw from Harks but didn't have any major complaints about Mark Anthony K. but the Revs have to be kicking themselves for bringing in two more central midfielders and zero outside backs in the summer window. Polster shouldn't have to play right back. Not only did they not bring in a, a outside back in the summer window, they didn't bring one in the winter window. They drafted a winger-slash-attacking midfielder in Joshua Bulma and tried converting him to right back. They didn't have any plan B behind brandon by at right back i guess it was move polster to right back or move Farrell to right back but there was no good plan b that if Brandon by got hurt you had a like for like replacement and now he's out for the season and they have they they have, unless there's a free agency that's going to drop out of the side the sky that saved Huddersfield for hudder town from relegation last year you know they're they're kind of screwed there so terrible roster management from the revs i've feel like we've talked about it leading up to the season and we just assumed Brandon by would be there forever. And you know, they're, they're lacking the speed up and down the wings. And so now they got to work it up the middle. It's tough. It's, it's tough.
1: Not, I definitely agree. It's something that I think even at the end of the last season, you're like the revolution that this is an area of concern in terms of overall depth. And you could even say that they did go out and sign someone, but apparently Ben sweat, is just never gonna play, which I think you was know, a rough indictment on him that you couldn't, you know, maybe move someone like Spalding to the right or even move Sweat to the right, and you know, just in this patchwork situation, you had to have Polster come make his first ever start at right back for the New England Revolution. I think his first time since you know uh, playing with Rangers. So it, it was definitely rough to see this that overall lack of depth and see that. It was an issue before this season, and it just hasn't been able to get fixed. And it, it seems like moving forward, you're going to have to fix that, whether it be a, someone like Dewan Jones possibly heading to Europe, or just because we've seen that players are can get hurt. And just to think that Brandon Baez is going to constantly slot in and be healthy, you can't trust that, because especially with the amount of games they're playing, whether it be Leeds Cup, U.S. Open Cup, obviously, if you're making it to the CONCACAF, you know, Champions League level, you're going to play a lot more games as well. So you need to have those backup plans. And it just seemed like the revolution had plan A and they didn't think to have plan B or C when it came to those, you know, outside back depth options.
0: Yeah, especially right back. I mean, every every backup plan was move someone from where they're currently playing else. Move, move Farrell from the center to the right. Move DeJuan Jones from left to right. Move Polster from defensive mid to, to right back. Um, Yeah, and and... AJ Diligares has moved to Charlotte, but I wonder, like, you know, do you put in a call to someone like him? Because you got to think there's there's pollster at, right, at right back really just should not have worked been that way. And, you know, well, there was a question here. Uh, I'll, I'll skip ahead of this question. Why can't the Revs stop the bleeding when they have 30 minute uh, 30 minute stretch like they did in the last few minutes of the game? Slow down the play, move players around anything. But nope, we just coasted and hoped Montreal was too inept to score. And I will give it to Montreal. That was a nice goal. But, but. Who who could they bring off the bench that helps them defensively? You mentioned Ben Sweat. Ben Sweat has been, you know, he's Gabriel Somi levels of not coming into the game. Christian McCoon is available. He he hasn't, we haven't seen him uh, back from injury, and I guess he's your backup center back right now. Fine, he's okay. Um, Tommy McNamara is coming off of a torn Achilles. He's a central midfielder, so you couldn't really play him anywhere. Esmere's on the bench. Jacob Jackson's on the bench. Nacho Heel's on the bench. Bobby Wood's on the bench. Sean Clay's on the bench. Ima Boateng. Your two... Two defensive subs you can make there are Ben Sweat and Christian McCoon. So late in the game, when you're trying to hold off for a point, you have zero people to come in and help hold the 0-0 draw or hold the lead. They have no one right now to to come in and, and help rescue this back line when they need someone to come in and get fresh legs on. So very frustrating, very frustrating, and, and I think a lot of people saw this coming a mile away.
1: That definitely. And I mean, if it wasn't for injuries, don't, you would have another option. It would have just been Omar Gonzalez, and obviously he's not an outside back. So, yeah, it, it's really frustrating to kind of see that this was an issue and it just never really got, you know, filled. And you hope that it will get filled in the future because, God forbid, you know, Jones or has an absence here. You're, you're going to be in real trouble.
0: Um, Evan Ryan says go back to the last year's game at Montreal and tell me did we learn anything from injuries and and yeah lack of depth is hurting this team it hurt this team last year and it's killing them this year and injuries happen it's bad luck I get it but there's 30 people on a roster and the Revs are filling out their roster and and it is crazy to me that we the, the, the lack of depth at right back is something I'll, I'll give him a pass for the lack of center back depth because you know Kessler and Farrell getting hurt that's bad luck I get it but You know, zero right back depth is, you know, something else. So, um, any, anything you want to add on that? I'm ranting right now, Sam, anything you want to add?
1: No, I I would definitely say that, you know, just the overall lack of preparedness on the right back is definitely, you know, unacceptable. And obviously, you know, you, you didn't have Kessler for both of those games, but I I think really the revolutionists need to get healthy. They need to stay healthy, wrap them in bubble wrap because, if you continue to have injuries or, yeah, especially in the back line, you're going to be in, you know, real deep trouble.
0: John Pilkington says, what's your biggest concern coming out of the ga- the match? Mine, I forgot Vrioni was playing until he was subbed off. I, I think I got to go with the jumbled mess that is the back line. It's hurting defensively and offensively, and I don't see any solution in sight unless uh, Dewan Jones and Andrew Farrell come back healthy uh, or Henry Kessler. Hopefully Henry Kessler comes back, too. Um, and-, and the crazy thing is Omar Gonzalez is holding his own. We'll talk about Omar in a second. So it could be a lot worse. It could, it could be a lot worse. Um, but my concern is, is just the mess in the the back. Uh, Sam, do you have any other concerns uh, coming out of this match?
1: Yeah. Like you said, it can always, uh, or like I said, it can always be worse, uh, but just a just lack of overall chance creation. I th- I think you just have to be able to, you know, break down to Montreal. You have a matchup against Red Bulls. You're going to have to try and break the, them down with their press. So you have to be able to create chances. And I think, you know, Carlos Hill obviously was able to, you know, make some sort of magic and you almost, you know, ha- had that trip. But besides that, they there was no chances like, like we've gone gone about. So, you know, even when you're without someone like Gustavo Bowe, uh, even, you know, kind of when, you know, the, 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 your cards are stacked against you, you, you have to be able to at least create chances. So definitely need to see more in the final third. And, Without Gustavo Bo and, you know, Chocolat kind of looking to find himself and not having a DeWan Jones, uh, for instance, I think it could be really difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, real ot daddy says this was nearly unwatchable tonight, and not just because Apple couldn't make the technology work. No offensive urgency, no chemistry. But then again, this eleven have never played together before. This, uh, please stop passing in a phone booth on the sidelines, and please recognize Romney as the most underrated passer in Major League Soccer. We need to get healthy. We need to get healthy. Yep. We need um, to get healthy. Very, very good comment. Uh. Paulo S. Well, and on this one, uh, we looked like a bit of a wounded animal. We almost pulled out the draw, though. Not impressed with Tomas Chancelay, but he's still figuring things out. Obviously, was hoping Wood and Brioni could play together. Didn't pan out. What did, I mean, completely complete right turn here at the end here? Uh, three three new players uh, besides the comment. But uh, what did you think of Omar Gonzalez, Damian Rivera, and Earl Edwards Jr. I mentioned this. I didn't mind Omar Gonzalez yesterday. I thought he played good. He did have one uh, chance in the 73rd minute where there was a low cross through the box that he failed to clear. It was kind of at his feet, and he kind of made a mess of it. Um, And I believe it led to a long shot uh, that went over the bar. Uh, Outside of that, that was my only blemish on Omar Gonzalez. Um, I think he's been doing fine. I still don't love him as a starter, especially in a four-back set. I think he's better in a a five-man set but I think he's fine. I thought he was fine and he's, he's doing the job and I see some people already saying he's, he might be better than Andrew Farrell. That might be a step too far for me, but I thought Omar Gonzalez is fine. Um, Damian Rivera vanished after that fifth minute chance. Um, yeah, he's back up. Um, I, I would have rather seen email out there and I can't imagine he's going to get many more chances. Uh, when people get healthy, when Chankle finds his way in the lineup more Earl Edwards, Jr. Thought he was fine. And could have could have been better. Could have been worse. He was he was what I expected him to do. I think he's a solid backup keeper, and that's about it. uh Sam, thoughts on Omar Rivera and Edwards?
1: Yeah, so definitely you know agree. I think Omar had a, a pretty good performance. I think you can definitely see. Obviously, you know he is up there. He is a veteran, so just the kind of lack of pace and you know going up against some younger guys, you can notice that. But overall, I thought he had a valiant performance, especially you know step. Stepping in uh, alongside Dave Romney when he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time. I think it was uh, last minutes were uh, the most recent match against Atlanta. And I think it was like May or possibly like June since he got a start. So it's been quite some time. Uh, but, you know, he was able to step in and do the job. Uh, in terms of Damien, like you said, he kind of vanished after that, you know, you know, chance, that shot that he had. And obviously, I think there's still something there, but kind of the clock is beginning to tick compared to someone like Justin Randis, for example. I think this is kind of a time where you need to see if he's really MLS material or someone who can, you know, be a viable option off the bench. You know, and, you know whether it be possibly someone like Rivera, maybe being better suited to USL championship, maybe that's the case. But I do think there's still some time to see what he has, but he does need to start kind of performing better, putting in more consistent performances. We've seen that he's been able to find the back of the net and make those plays. So just need to see it on a more consistent basis, I recognize it is tough, you know, coming off the bench, but he did have, you know, the full start, uh, against Montreal. And I, I was kind of a little bit shocked to see it. I thought maybe we see someone like Esmir barak make it, you know, definitely coming off, you know, he's been able to score his first goal. Um, He's been looking well, and he's just someone who, you know, is able to go at defenders, you know, great, I would say, you know, pretty good on the ball and just, you know, can kind of create something and do something. And I think the Rebs were kind of lacking that. I don't know if you do play him, if he makes a whole lot of a difference, uh, but definitely would have enjoyed seeing him compared to Rivera. And and again, with Earl, I think he did everything you could really ask of him. I'm not really going to blame him on that goal. I think it was just overall – you know, the defense, the back line kind of crumbled and kind of reached its breaking point. Uh, so I think he's he's done a good job. And for however long he's going to be playing until uh, Vasily comes in, I think, you know, he, he's someone you can trust there. And especially when Jorge uh, was out, he, he stepped in and it, it did a good job. So. I don't think he'll be a liability. I think, you know, he'll just be able to be a solid goalkeeper. He might not make some of the saves that Petrovic will make, but I think that's what you have to expect when you're losing the best keeper in MLS. So, you know, I wouldn't especially for, you know, Earl Edwards Jr. and Omar, they weren't amazing performances, but I, I definitely think they did their job, but definitely want to see more from someone like Damian Rivera.
0: Yep, agreed 100%. Sam, that does it for listener questions. Anything else on your mind here today before we go on? And, and where can people find your work?
1: Greg, I just want to say, really uh, appreciate uh, you having me on. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out Bruce Arena information in the next forty-eight to seventy-two hours. You know, it's just a, a fun uh, time covering that story. Sam, but yeah, really- Sam,
0: Sam, yeah. I have a question. Would you be would you be shocked if we don't hear about Bruce Arena in the next forty-eight to seventy-two hours?
1: People are saying I might be shocked. But yeah, uh, appreciate you having me on. Definitely make sure to check out everything we're doing over at the Blazing Musket, whether it be Revs, Revs 2, uh shout out to Nate covering uh Hartford in what is a really bad season for them. So hey, could be worse Revs fans. Uh but yeah, definitely check us out. Uh check us out on Twitter at Blazing Musket. Uh check out our YouTube channel where you've been able to post uh you know the press conferences uh for the revs and also getting some Hartford and Vermont Green stuff up there. And you can find us on Threads as well, too. So definitely uh, check us out there. But thank you all for your support. And shout out to Greg for writing that Earl Edwards Jr. news. Really appreciate it, Greg. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Greg Johnstone, writer and podcaster, uh, jack of all trades. Uh, But again, Greg, thank you so much for having me on. Have an absolute blast whenever I'm with you
0: yeah, it was a beautiful three paragraph article that was basically a rewritten news release. I do contribute to the Blazing musket occasionally. Uh, and also by the way, if you are not betting against Hartford Athletic every single week, I don't know where you've been. Um, that is a uh, real dumpster fire over there in USL. Um, God bless Nate for having to sit through that entire season. and uh, our thoughts are with the people of Connecticut right now because that is, uh, whew, that is bad. But uh, right. you, you, you definitely know every single week, I am going to bet online. Promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V and using uh, my 50% welcome bonus on my first deposit on gambling against Hartford Athletic. Uh, so uh, One more sure. plug there. By the way, few more plugs here. I want to get in. Um, U.S. Amputee Soccer Team still raising money to go to Poland uh, for their tournament that is going to be in October. Uh, if you have not checked that out, please, please uh, go check uh, out their website right now, U.S. Amputee Soccer Team, uh, as they continue fundraising. Also, the Rebellion have a foot, uh, foot golf tournament going on. Uh, it's going to be in Norfolk, Massachusetts on October 7th. Limited spots remaining. Uh, so go check out anyrebellion.org to learn more about their foot golf tournament. Um, and I think that is it. I think that's it. This Drake. 45-minute podcast did go over an hour. It's an hour 10. Good, That's a Greg Johnstone classic where I said it was 45 minutes and it goes an hour 10. What up, Sam?
1: I just have to add, do we know if Connecticut is in New England? Because I don't know if you saw that Red social media video, but it doesn't seem like the Revolution players have a grasp on geography.
0: There are so many references we've made to social media that there are people that listen to this that do not go on social media and they have no idea exactly what we're talking about. Season ticket reps uh, and being shocked in 40 to, 48 to 72 hours. Uh, there was a video for, for those people. I'll explain this one. Uh, there was a video where they showed revolution players trying to name the states in New England. And look, Jesus Christ. Like, if you've li- like I don't want to name names. I don't want to name names. If you were born in Massachusetts, if you've lived in, in New England more than five years, you've played in Foxborough, Massachusetts, you got to know Rhode Island. I'm not naming names. I'm not naming names. But anyone who saw that video, there was one person in particular. How long have you been here and you don't know what Rhode Island is? Come on. Come on. Uh, but I, shout out to... I will say, Dave Romney's been here for like five minutes and he like stepped up confidently, named all the states, mixed up Vermont, New Hampshire, mixed up Vermont, New Hampshire, but he stood up confidently. Dave Romney is the best player in those videos because he goes in, no messing around, just dead serious, just bang, 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 bang. Everyone else thinks about it. Not, Dave Romney, no fear, goes in. I love Dave Romney, on and off the field. Uh, great, great job. So even, I'll, I'll give him a pass for that one. Dave Romney, you're good with us.
1: I appreciated all the players who left Connecticut out of New England or couldn't name Connecticut. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: They all got main too. So, and also I think Tommy McNamara was like one of two people that got it. So it's just great to see that Ivy league education uh, working out for him. So Tommy, uh, Mac, a genius. Shout out Tommy Mac. Shout out Tommy Mac. Shout out Brown university. You can follow us on Twitter at revolutionary. Please make sure you're also following us on Instagram, on threads and on Facebook. And of course, be sure to follow our friends at the blazing musket. As Sam talked about, go subscribe to their Substack and receive every piece of news in your email inbox. And who knows, maybe you'll get to see an article of mine. Uh, also, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion, at The Rebellion on Twitter, and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about uh, their organization and their full golf tournament in October. Go check out our sponsor, Glasso Kits, and use promo code uh, RevsRecap for 15% off your order. And check out Bet Online, uh, our presenting sponsor. This episode has been presented to you by Bet Online. Uh, go to betonline.ag and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit promohood believe bleav also please make sure you're subscribed to itunes or wherever you're listening and please rate and review us five stars it helps people looking for revolution content find us so please 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 if you have not rated and review us on itunes and on spotify go do that now uh, we will be back midweek game new york red bulls wednesday we have a quick turnaround we got to do this all again wednesday until then thank you everyone for listening go revs